Hello and welcome to Grazia Life Advice, Grazia's podcast. I'm Rhiannon and each week I'll be interviewing women worth listening to and getting them to pass on the six best pieces of advice they've ever been given and the worst piece too. This week we've teamed up with number seven to bring you one of my favourite interviews so far with broadcasting legends Fee Glover and Jane Garvey. Fee and Jane have been broadcasting for the BBC for years and are now both hugely popular high profile members of Radio 4's lineup. You may have heard Fee presenting The Listening Project or Jane on Women's Hour. But in recent times they've teamed up to present the podcast fortunately where no subject is out of bounds. They interview stars of radio, TV and podcasting getting them to share stories that they probably should I'm delighted to say a new series starts this Friday, but I caught up with them before their summer break to talk about motherhood, diversity, trolls and other stuff like, you know, berets and cheese scones. They were as hilarious as they were insightful. So over to Fee and Jane. I'm here at New Broadcasting House with BBC legends, Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Hi guys. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? We're very well. Well, we're never entirely well, are we? We're a bit hot. Yeah. It is so warm, isn't it? It's the worst summer, in all seriousness, uh, to be edging towards 50. You know, it's hot on the inside, it's hot on the outside. It's hot everywhere. Just hot. Just hot. I'm having my first pregnancy during this summer. Oh, Rihanna. That is Mm. fun. What have you done that for? I know, that was stupid. (laughs) So stupid. I know. Just press pause. I know, just say, don't want it anymore. Yeah. 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 When, When is the baby coming? October, so... It's fine. It'll be cool when did it you comes. you have a good Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> I only got married at Christmas. We can't good. go into that you now. You did have a good Christmas. <laughs> yeah. You had a great new year. Yeah, I've oh, yes. been good at maths. Yeah, uh, good new year. I was wondering when I'd start blushing and it's already happened. So. Sorry. No, Thank sorry. you. Uh, no, we're, here to hear, we're here to listen to your best advice. So I'm going to take it in turns. You guys are going to give three pieces of advice that you've been given throughout your life. Yeah. Uh, Fee, should we start with you? Uh, what's one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given? So one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given is to only ever take advice from somebody's life you would happily be leading. And actually, it's one of those pieces of advice you kind of think, oh, well, that's a bit of a given, isn't it? But it's not, because we buy self-help books written by people who live in different continents, different gender, different aims, different ambitions. Why on earth would what they advise you to do be right for you? So only listen to the people whose lives you'd steal quite happily. Whose life would you steal? Who are you happy to hear from? Oh, so I've got one friend called Kath. And she's one of those beautifully wise people anyway. And uh, her life is, I mean, you know, it's not without stresses and strains like everybody's. Uh, but she just seems to make very good decisions and warm-hearted, compassionate decisions. And I'd happily live her life. She doesn't know this, by the way. <laughs> she does now. She's now phoning the security guards. <laughs> so I, it took me quite a long time to realise that, actually. Mm. That, you know, people give advice all the time. But if they have a different life to yours, why on earth would it be any good for you? So you wouldn't be turning to any kind of, like... Facebook execs for life advice. You're not living that Silicon Valley lifestyle, that kind of thing. No. (laughs) And that's exactly the point as well, isn't it? That I'm sure it really works for, you know, Silicon Valley unicorns like Jack Dorsey to only eat once a day Mm. and, you know, meditate for uh, early morning dawn choruses and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm not him. So, you know, what he does that makes his Twitter sphere wonderful is not what I need to do to make mine better. I think that's really lost in these self-help times. I think I like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jane, your first piece of advice is about who to take advice from as well. 
Yeah, think. it's almost like we think along the same I lines. <laughs> I don't. I don't think along. I don't even know her. Yeah, um, do, I've written here and I can hardly see it because I haven't got my glasses. Don't take advice from someone who offers it without being asked. Mm. Okay, so I think this is probably harking back to my adolescence where I felt, even if I wasn't, I felt like I was surrounded by people who knew what was what and couldn't wait to impart their wisdom. And a lot of these people were almost certainly men. Yes, I know it's come as a shock, but I think it's not that I've got a downer on men. They just really irritate me from time to time. Um, And there is, and I'm still having stuff mansplained to me, which is such a cheek. Uh, I, I was at a party the other week when a man... I think I mentioned this on our highly successful podcast, fortunately, when uh, a man did actually spend half an hour telling me why women lack confidence. I heard you say that. And it's true. It actually happened. Uh, And I just you, if you just shut up, I could maybe begin to explain why sometimes Mm. it's difficult for women to be confident. Anyway, he didn't. Um, And he, very nice man, actually, I should say, almost certainly would be blushing if he knew this was about him. But of course, he lacks the (laughs) self-awareness to appreciate. (laughs) Uh, We've always said, in fact, we said, unfortunately, that there is a BBC self-awareness course, but the people who need it (laughs) wouldn't, of course, sign up for it. Um, Anyway, this is a long way from my advice about not taking advice. Um, I think... There are some wise people in everybody's lives. And I actually really value the wisdom of older women. And I grew up with my grandmother living in the house. I think that was hugely significant, actually. I realise now just how significant it probably was. Mm. It was nice to get the older person's perspective. It was also nice to help her into her corset. It's it's left me with a wow. lifelong admiration for the corset. God. And also just an awareness that the human body changes. Yeah. And that um, I was on holiday last week in Greece and it was actually really liberating to see the wonderful different body shapes on the beach. And sometimes we get so bound up in this country and particularly I've got two daughters. I am concerned about body image and the way they're meant to think about how they look. It's brilliant. You go to the med and on the beach first thing in the morning last thing at night are the older people mm. women and men and the women are still rocking their bikinis and they're it's greece so they're also smoking fags <laughs> uh and they're standing there and i just think i want to be you when i'm 75 i want madam to be you yeah uh and the, the hairy very hairy old men <laughs> in very tiny very tiny budgie smugglers yeah but they just looked fantastic. Yeah. And you don't be there. And you don't care. Yeah. I won't be that hairy. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> I do think that's what's great about your guys' podcast is mm. you were talking about getting advice from older women, you were saying. Mm. And I think it's great to have both of you there. You don't always... Are you saying we're old? No, I was very careful not to say well, like, that, actually. Well, there's, there's I was the implication. Your, I was repeating your words. <laughs> yes, okay. And um, I just think it's, you know, to have you two out there and you're talking and you're, um, you know, so at the top of your game. I mean, do you get asked for advice from younger women constantly about career advice? Actually, funnily enough, just before I came, we just done a, a podcast with Susanna Reid, who was amazing, who's the GMB presenter, and we really enjoyed chatting to her. But before that, I'd had a drink with one of my um, mentees at the BBC, and um, this is a scheme where older women can help younger women, slightly younger women, um, uh, just sort of coming up in the BBC and just spend time with them occasionally. And it was, yes, so I, they do, and I think this is a really, really positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm 54, and when I was starting out at the BBC, these sorts of initiatives did not exist, did they? I mean, no. we, and to be to be perfectly honest, the generation above me did not choose to reach down to help those of us who mm-hmm. were trying to get there 
But in fact, I think that was because they weren't encouraged to, for a start, and we are now encouraged to, and rightly, but also because I think they felt so vulnerable in their position that they were too busy guarding their place in the working world and didn't actually feel that they could assist young shavers like I was in those days to, to make my way up. Do you think that's true? Yes, and also I think because it was really, uh, by comparison to now, very rare for women to be successful on air for a very long time. Time, yeah. That there was yeah. a feeling that actually there was no path to it. Mm. You know, the women who had got there were quite strange, ambitious lionesses. They weren't part of a sisterhood. kind of sisterhood. No. So, you know, there wasn't a feeling that, that they could create a system around them that would benefit other women. So likewise, I've got a couple of uh, mentees through the BBC scheme and actually a couple of others. And the one thing that I would say as well about... Uh, any kind of intergenerational passing on of wisdom is is a two-way thing because I have genuinely learned stuff from the young sisters <laughs> uh, where I've gone away um, really grateful to know them because mm. I think mm. the generation below us comes from a very different place that we come from mm. in terms of their landscape, horizon, mm. sense of equality, all of that. And I love meeting them, uh, you know, probably more than they love meeting me, but it's great. It's oh, great come on, darling. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, no you're no, right. No, you're right. <laughs> you're no, right. Um, I also think it's really important that um, we spend time with younger women who are not white, um, mm. just because I think that this is still uh, a white place. Uh, I am white. For is white. Uh, it's that's on. It's definitely changing, and that's good. Um, but um, I think th- there is no doubt their experience of the BBC is a very different one to my own, and I would also argue it's still harder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the I would statistics would bear you out. Yes, sister. yes, yeah. I think they would. Um, Fee, your yes. next piece of advice. I, ha- I could talk about with that with you all day, guys. But it was about you raising- moved on very swiftly there, <laughs> Rhiannon. <laughs> raising your raising your children. So this was a piece of advice given to me by the fantastic writer and psychologist Dorothy Rowe, and she came on a program that I did years ago. And we were talking about parenting because some of her work is about parenting. She's very, very good about mental health. And she said, there are a thousand ways to raise a child, but there'll only be one that suits you. Mm -hmm. And I had really young kids at the time, so probably six months old and three. And that is quite a gruelling time for parenting because (laughs) maybe other people are wiser or better at it. But I felt that I was in an absolute, I was still in the cake mix. I was nowhere near even getting into the oven Mm. to sort out, you know, the parenting Uh, cake so I when she said that I just thought oh bless you because it can be so confusing these days Mm -hmm. the image of parenting is sold to you in a very perfect way and it is so far from that and you need to find your own path and then be confident in sticking to it and that is a lovely kind of ever increasing circle once you think yep it's just me And I'm going to make my decisions, Mm -hmm. informed decisions, but they're going to be my decisions. And if somebody else really does value Japanese jujitsu at the age of two and a half or is managing to, you know, get their six month old to sleep through the night or all of these things that you can become incredibly anxious about. A little bit of knowing that actually you're just trying as hard as you can and slightly cocking up most of the time, but that's fine. So I was very grateful to her for that. Very grateful. And I actually say to my kids now when they criticise my They're both in prison, your kids. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I say to them, you'll do a better job than me. Mm. And they love me saying that because it kind of passes it on to them mm. already. It's just like, you know, I'm getting this wrong. You'll do, you'll do much better. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you both happy to talk about being mothers mm. at work? We were talking about this in our office the other day, the debate about whether you should talk about being a mother or whether you should leave it at the door. How, how do you guys feel about that? God, well, you go first on that one. Uh, I, I, the, I know it's supposed to be true that a lot of male uh, male workers, men, is the, is the, <laughs> I think the term I'm groping for, uh, men will will put up po- uh, photographs of their of their kids or their, their families in the in the office or work setting. Uh, obviously, not everybody works in an office, but you know what I mean. Uh, whereas equivalent women might be more reluctant to do it. The men do it because they believe it humanizes them. The women think, oh, if I do that, people will put me in a certain place. Mm. But also uh, the men might not be doing it. Because no, they might not be. They might be no, no, genuinely I'm missing their kids and want to see no, them there. Of course, that's they judgy. That's no. judgy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying it's a theory. Okay. Um, I I'm very fortunate. I obviously work on a program where we do talk about women's lives, mm. and let's face it, a lot of women have children. Though certainly not all our listeners, by the way. And interestingly, I am born in the year. I think it's 1964, where. I think 25% of the women in the year I was born have not had children and obviously now will not have children, almost certainly. Obviously, I know there are ways and means. Um, And, of course, you can adopt children at any age. I Mm. appreciate that. So you know what I mean when I say that. Um, Will not give birth to children. Um, And that is significant. So that's a big chunk of the population Mm. whose lives will be child-free, not necessarily child-less, but child-free. So I try. Woman's Hour tries to bear that in mind. Also, that generation of women without children faces the challenge of how they will age and who will care for them in their old age, which, of course, slightly makes the assumption that my two daughters will really, really want to wipe my bottom in mm. 30 years' time, and I suspect neither of them will, and I wouldn't blame them. Uh, but you, you know what I mean, that's yeah. another challenge. Um, so, But I'm absolutely um, happy to discuss being a mother, and it is without question the best thing I've ever done, the greatest challenge, the hardest thing. Um, but I would also say the pleasure I have got out of my children, and I was going to say their achievements, but by achievements, I mean making friends. Surviving. I mean, surviving, yeah. I mean, I remember the thrill of my eldest child coming home from school and telling me another kid had invited her around to play. Yeah. And you get that, oh, you think somebody else likes my child. <laughs> uh, and it feels, it. you just think, oh, the relief. Um, it's a really lovely thing. And... You know, some people are academic, some people aren't. Not you can't. Who cares whether your kids get nine GCSE A stars or number nines or whatever it is? Um, ultimately, if they're healthy and they make you laugh and you occasionally make them laugh, you're in for a treat, mm. Rhiannon. Oh, good. Mm, yes, you're. No, it's a good, good thing, and I'm very, very happy to talk about it. But I think the point of, about whether or not you want to be identified as a mother is really interesting, and mm. I think in the next generation. That may well change because, you know, the 50-something woman, of which we're both in that category, um, I suspect has had a harder time making that blend of motherhood and career work than I hope the younger generation will have. And I hope all it really boils down to is people being sensitive about when it's right to have the conversation about what you are outside work and you know, people who might not want that conversation to be had in their presence. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. sometimes you, it, it shouldn't really matter. Sometimes I think if we just replace the word motherhood with parenting, we'd all be better off anyway. And 
lots of blokes would definitely benefit from talking about their kids at work mm. a little bit more and from being a dad and bringing all of that stuff into work and I think that will change I think that will change I think too many women have felt that they can't talk about motherhood mm. because it is immediately meant that people look at them in a pejorative way at work and I hope that's but I think in a way you know that leads to us not celebrating the I mean it's beyond magic beyond magical that moment when your child if you're very fortunate you have a healthy child and that you're given that child in that extraordinary I mean, I was drugged up to the eyeballs on both occasions, I should say. I mean, I'd had cesarean. That's why um, it was magic. It was, I tell you what, it, well, it wasn't the kids, it was actually the drugs. No, um, you, you, you look at these little, squally little things and just think, oh, first of all, you think, oh, God, what have I done? Uh, but then the youth is just, I mean, I'm afraid, I, I feel sorry for men because they will not get, they will not know. Mm. They will not know how heady and intoxicating and beyond any kind of any kind of mobility of mind to put it into words that moment is so i think it's a jolly good thing and i think if men gave birth there'd be programs on television 24 hours a day celebrating their ability to bring forth humanity <laughs> but strangely instead of which we just have endless men poking their spherical objects into nets <laughs> by poking i mean propelling yes. By propelling, okay. I mean, what do I but mean? But don't you think that if we let men celebrate being uh, parents a bit more, being dads a bit more, then they could, uh, I don't know, just uh, join in and have the same conversation with them? Oh, yeah, no, I've got conversation. And I should say as well, I mean, my own dad was the kind of, um, he's still alive, I should say, but talk about him in the past tense, is the kind of man who would um, put on his anorak at two in the morning and come and get me from somewhere. Mm. And that is, that's being a dad. It's not all about... My dad would no more talk in emotional terms about fatherhood than I would fly to Uranus. But he, um, he is a proper dad. Yes. And there's a lot to celebrate. And they've a lot to be, a lot, the proper dads have got a lot to be proud of. Today's podcast is brought to you by Grazia and Number 7, who are introducing their new match-made custom blend foundation drops. With more than 80 years of experience in skincare, Number 7 have a unique understanding of a woman's skin and have now used that knowledge to create match-made custom blend foundation drops, a new innovative product that allows new levels of makeup personalisation. One product, but with endless possibilities, the drops are available in 25 match-made shades. All you need to do is take your Number 7 moisturiser or primer and in your hand add one, two or three drops. Mix it together and apply to give you seamless light, medium or full coverage. Exclusively at Boots, Number 7's new match-made custom blend foundation drops are available online and in-store now. You can also go into store for a free match-made skin tone analysis to discover an even better foundation match. Try Number 7's match-made custom blend foundation drops now for makeup that allows you to wear it your way. Back to Fee and Jane. Oh, well, we haven't through. finished at all yet. Let's <laughs> go on, Fran. Um, well, my uh, next piece of advice, absurdly, is don't eat cheese scones. Um, that's partly because okay. I grew up in the 70s in Liverpool and my primary school lunches were things that I still have nightmares about. Um, there were absolute... I mean, I don't know how much the budget was mm. for the Liverpool primary school lunches back in 1972 or three mm. uh it can't have been a lot uh, <laughs> this is probably before decimalization so possibly one old penny was but it, they were hideous uh i 
particularly hated Irish stew and the only way to get that down your neck was to shovel loads of red cabbage in with it. Yeah, yeah I know. Fee, this was terrible. This is Dickensian. <laughs> it really was. Um, and cheese scones did feature every mm. now and again and they are horrible things because you bite into them anticipating a relatively sweet snack mm. instead of which you get the horrendous tang and i like cheese yeah. but the unexpected tang of cheese it's the unexpected nature of the flavor <laughs> that means that they must be avoided at all costs Gosh. i it, think i think this might be one of the most controversial things you've ever said i am People love cheese scones. No, they don't, Ruth. That's nonsense. <laughs> no, I'm with you. No, I'm no. with you. I'd much rather have a savoury scone than a sweet scone. Would you? Oh, You're so peculiar. Every day. Every day. Yep. Definitely, especially... Our podcast is off. If you, is it? It's cancelled. <laughs> yes. If you've, got, if you've managed to get the, um, the cheese nice and, and uh, evenly distributed... Mm. And then you've got a lovely, crunchy, melted, no, cheesy bit on top. That's re- absolutely oh. repellent. Um, cheese belongs on toast. <laughs> it does not belong anywhere near a scone mm. or in a scone mix. This is the difference between us. We've suddenly realised a chasm widens. It's why I'm successful. <laughs> and I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> I feel guilty that I've drawn this massive wedge between you. Yeah. Don't, don't Should- believe me. <laughs> She's got no real emotions at all. <laughs> Should we move on to the next piece of advice? Quickly. Or is anything else? No, quickly, no we're quickly. done. Cheese yeah, we're done on cheese scones. <laughs> v, what's your next piece of advice? Well, never trust a man with a beret. I mean, just, <laughs> just no explanation to it at all. But I mean, it's just a—it's a cocky, jaunty little hat. It's not a proper hat that's going to protect you from the rain. No, it's fiddly. It's worn in just—it's always worn in a very pretentious way, either by revolutionaries. Frenchmen, people who are embarrassed about losing their hair, don't be embarrassed. Women, they just couldn't. We don't care. No. You, don't, you don't care about our cellulite. We don't care about your balls. No. Come on, let's party. So just, just the beret. No, no. Do you get a no. lot of those in Hackney? No. In in Hackney, berets. Yeah. No, because they're. The young Hackney man is sporting a very wide-brimmed fedora. Mm. These oh, days. is he? Yes. Okay. Heavily bearded, but with a wide-brimmed yes. fedora. Okay. And imagine if you were heavily bearded with. Beanie on top. I mean, that's just not going to work. Also, in in, it's far too hot for beanie hats and things like that at the moment. But the only man who really looks good in one of those hats is David Beckham. Mm. Um, But a lot of other men try them. Um, Come sort of November, maybe late October, you'll see these beanie hats on the street. And really, it's only Dave. Nobody else needs to go anywhere close to trying. Yeah. I feel very strongly about that. So think, men should just be very careful about hattage. Okay. Yeah. Very. What about women in berets also no? <laughs> well, that's a bit queer, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I just I don't know why you would. <laughs> no, Didn't the brownies expect have a beret at one time? Oh, yeah, I, I think remember. they did. I think they did. I, I think, think we had a hat in the brownies at two. Yeah, they did. They had uh, a brown beanie, uh, but, but I think before that there was a beret. Mm. I'm very, no, I'm older than you. Mm-mm. It's unnecessary. I've lived through some difficult times. <laughs> I'm just glad that you've bonded over the beret again. And After that goes. awful cheese scone business, yeah, yeah. that you put it up again. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. So no, no berets. That's, no, not no. Okay, that's yet. taken. Done. Yes. I think we can agree. Good. Jane, your final piece of best advice you've uh, ever been given. Yeah, do, well, do change your sheets. <laughs> now, um, this uh, comes back actually to the beginning of my time on Woman's Hour. It was 1875. <laughs> Queen Victoria was settling onto the throne. She still had many decades to do. Um, 
No, it was, uh, I can't remember when. Anyway, we did an item, and I can't remember why, about sheets. But mm. this is Woman's Hour. We, it's a you know, rich tapestry is woven. Not always terribly successfully. But that day, it was we were talking about sheets. And I said, and I've always regretted it, uh, that in my guest bedroom, uh, it was at a time in my life when, for example, my young nephews would come and stay. And um, then sometimes they'd come and stay and, and maybe I'd have a friend come to stay during the week. I wouldn't always change the sheets mm-hmm. between my very young, very clean nephews and perhaps one of my female friends who was in London for the night and needed a bed. And I just said, oh, I don't always change. You know, they're all, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and it just, the emails flooded in. Uh, <laughs> Why was this slot being allowed to present my favourite radio program? I was already pretty unpopular, purely on the basis I wasn't Jenny Murray. And this yeah. this was just, just I'd gone too far now with, with Women's Hour's core audience. Um, and so since then, I have made it my business to become much more scrupulous in that department. And so I always now... Mm launder sheets between visitors i do my own sheets i used to leave sometimes for two weeks right i have been known to go for three those days are well gone every week every week now yeah yeah Yeah. i'm haunted by that actually it is the worst job in the house doing the duvet and inside out and yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, there's no. You, you're lucky. You're young. You wait till you're in a menopausal flurry, and you get involved in one of those duvet <laughs> duvet cover related incidents. Yeah, there's never a good time to do that. But if you're hot and you're bothered, you can literally you can find yourself trapped within the quilt. Mm. Oh, it can make uh, you cry. It can. It yes, can really make you, you close to wanting to yeah. burst into tears. Yeah, we'll laugh about the duvet when it's finally obliterated. Yeah, but we're still. I remember my grandmother. Uh, just expressing complete amazement that people were happy to wave goodbye to that bizarre sheet blanket eider down top top cover arrangement mm. in favour of the duvet. And I now I thought my nan was mad at the time, but now I think she was probably right. Mm. Yeah, I quite favour um, in if people are coming to stay in quick succession. Do you all just go in the same bed? No, no, not no. that liberated. Uh. Even for Hackney, mm. uh, it's just putting a little sheet on. So you can keep the so you don't have to keep yeah, changing the a, duvet cover. You just change mm. the sheet. Yes, I know people do do that. The yeah. sheet that so you have a sheet between the duvet, your guest and yes. the duvet. Yes. So mm. you don't have to get involved in the duvet disaster. Yeah, it's 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 tricky, but um, but also we shouldn't waste too much time on it, should we? No, no, I think this is important. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Never mind Keep Brexit. Um, this is this is the issue that get people going. Well, this is what I was going to say to you. You it got people going, and there's something about radio that makes people think they can all get involved and tell you you're totally wrong. How do you take constantly being uh, uh, questioned by people who are listening to you? Shall we say? Well, I mean, every single day, um, I look at the Women's Hour Twitter feed. Every single day, someone says, "I am never listening to this dross again." <laughs> And uh, that's fine. Often it's the same people. So I've got news for them. They haven't stopped <laughs> listening. Um, but you just, you, sometimes if it's very personal. So sometimes I will, um, we'll be looking at our emails during the course of the programme. My colleagues in the, in the production studio will be looking at the emails that have come in to see if there's any worth reading out in our podcast edition. And um, sometimes they will put on the screen, which I can also see, an email that is just full of criticism of me, just saying, I, I hate that jingle. <laughs> so stupid. And I, I will look at it and think, oh, and it, I try not to be hurt by it, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. Mm. 
Um, and that can be, I don't know what it, it, it is. I know we always say laughingly, there's no reaction worse than no reaction at all. But and that is the worst that reaction. Would, no, that would be very pleasant to have no reaction at all. Yes, yeah, sometimes I would and I take, yeah. started work, because we are quite old, um, at a time when there wasn't this in, intense interaction. So radio yeah. was, it was pretty much a one-way form mm. of media. We talked at them. Yeah, and then very occasionally, we both started in local radio, uh, you know, you'd bump into somebody in the supermarket, you know, who was a super fan or a super critic, and you'd actually have a conversation with them about it. But the the the... Being able to criticise or praise just at the touch of a button has transformed radio definitely for the better. You can't imagine doing a radio programme anymore where you weren't asking for constant <laughs> feedback. Well, there are still some on Radio 4 that are yeah, that's true. completely no, that true. without any interaction with an or even any acknowledgement that there is an audience. Let's face it, there are some shows on Radio 4 that I don't think do have an audience. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> In an attempt to keep our jobs. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that, yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. I think it would be really unnatural not to have a perfectly human reaction to both those things. Mm. So I think praise is always lovely and criticism stings. And it should always be that way because otherwise you've gone mad and you've Mm. gone back to the time at which... Do you want to get that? It's my friend. Yeah, she's in the building going to a meeting. Is she? Does she want to come along? No, no, she can't come here. I'll have to send her a message. (laughs) Okay. I'm on my way. No, that's not the right message. So I think it's perfectly... I don't, you know... I, I don't mind it, and I don't. I wouldn't want to go back to the time when you just uh, didn't know what people were thinking of everything you had on your show. So it's a good thing, I think. But you know, when somebody says "get that ass off," <laughs> and of course, I think sadly there's a little bit in most decent people that just thinks, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should go yeah. now. I, I, <laughs> It is astonishing to think about a lack of a complete absence of interactivity, but there really was a time. Was I, none, I started in local radio in Herefordshire and Worcestershire, and my only real interaction was with the audience would be um, handwritten letters and people coming to reception with cream for me <laughs> from their farms. I'm serious. That's lovely. And it is lovely. Yeah. 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 It's why I'm now 27 today. <laughs> um, never mind. It's all Herefordshire cream. Yeah. yeah. Great. We like to finish the show by getting people to tell us the worst piece of advice they've ever been given. Because as you were saying earlier, people love throwing it at you. Yeah. So, V, you were saying that you were told to go and work in local government. Yeah. So my careers advisor at school, uh, you know, he also doubled up as a teacher of several other subjects. Careers was not a speciality. Uh, well, it wasn't back then, was no, it? No, it wasn't. Uh. And we had a careers library, which was just a, basically one of those revolving bookshelves. That was it. Anyway, uh, fair enough. Times have changed, all for the good. Uh, so I said I wanted to go and do a degree in local government and infrastructure at the London School of Economics. And she said, yeah, that's brilliant. That'll seat you down to a T. <laughs> and there is not one single thing in that sentence that uh, was right or correct mm. or... She just couldn't wait to get me out of the door uh, but I just would have been I mean what is just what an absolute mismatch of a degree that would have been I would have contributed nothing to local government no council would have benefited from the expertise that I didn't get because I didn't get the grades to go to the NSC. but chief executives in local government made a make a fortune yeah but they but in terms of skill, they earn more than the prime minister skill set I've got nothing no. nothing to offer oh no organizational ability no or the detail, or the vision, 
or the ability to sit through meetings without talking myself Mm, none of it none of it absolutely none of it Mm. so I do say to my kids you know who are just beginning to ask Mm. questions about you know what do you think I should I should do and (laughs) I always say don't ask anyone Mm. you know don't really or don't take any notice of what people say you know you will find something you'll see a little something and nobody else will really understand Mm. why you like it but I'm certainly not going to try and encourage them to be one thing or t'other. And also the jobs that they do have not yet been made. So <laughs> they haven't been invented. They've not they? been invented. No, that much we do know about the future. Yeah. We know that we don't know about it. We've <laughs> so wise. Which in the past we thought we used to... Because th- I've been... All my life I've been promised moving pavements. <laughs> and I'm 54 and I'm still having to make the effort to walk along a pavement myself. It's so true. No, but it is true about moving pavements, yeah. isn't it? But also jetpacks. Oh, and jetpacks. We promised that we could just... Holidays on the moon. Yep. We, should, we could basically somehow process our farts to make us super zoom from London to Birmingham with only... Well, you probably could. <laughs> Stop it. You uh, said you'd never tell anyone about that. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the detail she's just gone into on our podcast anyway. Um, I, I'm just struggling to think about the worst advice. I, I know... Probably echoing Fee's point about mm. careers, I would say my mum had an unhealthy obsession with me working for the Midland Bank. <laughs> um, and she would, my mother was a um, an NHS clerk and mm. she worked as the clerk in a venereal disease clinic, which right. obviously took her, um, to, well, she met a particular cross-section of sexually active local <laughs> society. <laughs> Um, Lots uh, of stories. Yeah, well, unfortunately, she wasn't the most, well, she isn't the most discreet woman on earth. So I can't go there, but I can tell you who had chlamydia and um, in Liverpool. In Anyway, including some quite fun. I'll let you know when we stop recording. So um, she, um, and to be fair and, and seriously for a minute, um, I think a lot of people of my parents' generation worked not for pleasure but for a living as indeed the vast majority of people do and we should never forget that and one of the brilliant things about what I do and what Fee I'm sure would agree is that I wake up pretty much every day of my working life and think good I'm going to work yeah I'd echo that it's the most I I think if you're not grateful for that you need to really seriously rethink but what I would say is that um my parents are perhaps a little bit reticent um socially they don't like people who big themselves up Mm -hmm. and I have, to my cost, realised that actually it won't do you any favours, that you actually do have to be prepared to put yourself out there. That may well mean that you get knocked back. Mm. Um, But I'm afraid nobody in life actually, whether professionally or in any other way, will come looking for you. Um, You sort of have to let them know that you're available. So I would say my parents' well-intentioned advice when I was a, a kid possibly hasn't been tremendously helpful and my mum did give me lots of leaflets about working in the Midland Bank um, and I, I did always say mum I don't want to work yeah. in any bank um, what's happened to the Midland Bank by the way is it now part I of I think it, it's, it's merged or been... it's best to never ask oh, a question yeah. about a bank yeah you're right actually yes um, probably bailed it out or something probably something. I think it might be part of HSBC this isn't of interest to your <laughs> listeners I was going to say quickly um, though that it yeah. is something specifically that's a female problem that we're told a lot that we're not as good at bigging ourselves up as men well I'm afraid I'm a, my own career path does back that up mm that uh, unfortunately, and by the way, I also will make judgments about women who do big themselves up. Mm. And I'll think, oh, 
hark at her do you do that i don't i'd never voice it i should say but it'll be going on in my head i'll be thinking who does she think she is banging on about herself there Mm. of course she's doing exactly the right thing actually but i've still got that little voice in my head saying oh you shouldn't do that you should be be modest yeah men don't bother with that and good and by the way men are right not to bother with it actually Mm. it's one of the things i admire a lot yep i'd agree Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. I've absolutely loved talking to you and I think loads of great advice in there. We went way off track. I can only (laughs) apologise. Yeah, best advice is don't listen to us. (laughs) Don't don't ask us for advice. Apart from the podcast, you should listen to your podcast, fortunately. Just join in when the guest arrives. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much to Fee and Jane. If you enjoyed that, you'll definitely enjoy hearing their podcast, fortunately. It's back on Friday and then comes out Fridays after that and is available to download via the BBC iPlayer app or wherever you go for your podcasts. This week's podcast was brought to you by Number 7, exclusively at Boots. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe, rate us, review us. It really helps spread the word. We look forward to seeing you next week for more advice from women worth listening to.